Amen. Do take a seat. My name's James. I'm one of the clergy here. It's lovely to be with you this morning. At BNA Church, we are passionate about helping you to follow Jesus. We believe that following Jesus makes life richer. It makes us who we are meant to be. And it leads us to love the God who made us and loves us. This morning, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 13, and it's going to help us to understand more about how we can follow Jesus. So it's both being in his presence as we gather on a Sunday morning and a lived reality in our lives when we go about them the rest of the week. Um, This passage is going to come up on the screens and you can follow it on your phones if you've got the Bible app or um, with the hard copies that are on the end of each line. Um, So here we go. So Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. If you weren't here last week, uh, you'd have missed that Abraham pretended that his wife was his sister um, and got some rewards as a result financially from Pharaoh, um, but then got found out um, as uh, uh, it became clear. Um, So he's heading back um, uh, from Egypt to the Negev, um, towards the land he's been called to with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. Next slide. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There, Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Now, Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, Lot's his nephew, in case you missed that, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at the time. So Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and the south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. So Abraham went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
So there are three things that I want to bring to our attention from this passage, which should help us in different ways to learn how we might follow Jesus. And hopefully they're going to come up on the screen now. Lot looked but didn't listen. Lot looked but didn't lust. Abraham gave up a lot for Lot. Okay, let me um, try to explain those sentences for us. So if we can have the first one. Lot looked but didn't listen. In verse 10, um, in the moment where Abraham and Lot have decided that they need to separate to keep the peace between their herdsmen, uh, Lot looks around and um, he, um, he doesn't listen. He chooses for himself, it says later. He chooses for himself the land um, uh, of Sodom and Gomorrah, the plains of the Jordan. And this is in contrast to Abraham, who in chapter 12 is called to the land that God will show him. And in order for him to get to the land that God will show him, he has to listen to God's purposes for him. But Lot doesn't. He chooses the plains of Jordan, and he chooses to put himself outside of the place that he has been called to with Abraham, the land that God has shown them. And it's not that he can't stay there, because actually the Canaanites and the Perizzites are able to be there alongside him. So he could go to a different part of the land, but he chooses another part because it's well watered. Interestingly, in this whole narrative, we never catch Lot praying, only connecting with God through intermediaries, so through Abraham's prayers or through angels who come to him. It's a contrast with Abraham, but it's also a contrast with Jesus, who in the New Testament says, I only ever do what I see my father doing. This speaks into our life as Christians Uh, Because we know that we have certain commands that we need to listen to as Christians. But we also know that as individuals in the body of Christ, we have particular callings that he has put on our lives. Purposes that we need to discern so that we can play our full part in what he has asked us to do. Now, this doesn't mean asking the Lord what we need to have for breakfast. I think he might have better things on his mind than that. Um, But it does mean at the very basic level as Christians submitting our life choices to him. So if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, um, you are probably living your life like Lot. You're choosing what you do for yourself. But near you are Christians who are submitting their lives to Christ. And what we should be doing as Christians, and I know that this, this is something that a lot of Christians struggle with, is we submit the very basic decisions, at least, to him. So where we live, what work we do, who we have relationships with, whether that's married or single, those kind of decisions are subject to God. So we need to look at what is before us, and we need to listen to him and for his guidance so we get those decisions right. 
Some time ago, um, my wife and I were, were really desperate to get on the property ladder. And um, we were given an opportunity to, to go in on a shared mortgage with another member of the family. And we um, made that decision without human wisdom, but also without really praying about it. And it turned out to be an utterly awful decision um, that caused both financial um, bruising, but also emotional stress. And I deeply regret it. I wish we had looked and listened. But also, I know that I can tell another story of a close friend um, who had the opportunity to go into a relationship um, with somebody who wanted to be in a relationship with them and they said no because they knew that actually that wasn't going to be a good relationship for them to be in even though being in that relationship would have covered their sense of loneliness they decided not to do it because they knew that it was not God's purpose for them so that person looked and listened And although it was painful initially, actually they have walked out God's purpose for their life in a way that I think is amazing. And that I know is a story that will resonate with some of you here this morning. But I also know that many of us will be sitting here right now thinking, actually, I've made decisions and they jar in my life because I know that I have looked and I've gone for them, but I haven't listened to see whether they're God's purpose. What do I do? And the good news is that God always has a rescue. So Lot makes this decision. He ends up in a bunch of trouble. Actually, if you go on to chapter 14, he ends up being kidnapped um, and um, is in all sorts of trouble. And, And God sends a rescue to him in Abraham. We'll come to that a bit later. But we know it's true that when we make bad decisions that aren't in God's will, God sends a rescue to us. The question then is, will we listen to that rescue or will we carry on in our own mess? One of the things that stops us from listening to God is our longings or our lusts. So if we can have the second slide up. Now, the verb in the Hebrew, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, I had to lean on somebody else's expertise. The verb in the original Hebrew for Lot looking around is the same verb that's used when Eve looks at the fruit earlier on in Genesis. And that verb can both mean lusting in the sense of looking and wanting and not being able to resist. And it can mean just looking and seeing and thinking that's nice. And anywhere in between. And it's understood in this setting that for Lot, it's more at the end of actually he's looking and just thinks it's nice. But actually, in human experience, what we know is that often people don't look and listen because they're caught up in their longings and their lusts. The things that they desperately want to fill holes inside themselves get in the way. When there's a crisis and a pressure point in your life, do you think to yourself, I just need one of a glass of wine, a pint, a drink, a cigarette, um, uh, some chocolates, um, some sex, some pornography, um, some drugs. It might be um, a phone call. It, it could be um, your phone that you reach for. What are the things that under pressure we go for because they express a longing that we need met that is outside of God? 
that is outside of God. When we feed those longings and those lusts, they get stronger and they get harder. And it's harder to hear God in those moments. And we have to unpick them. I have two male um, Christian friends um, who have experienced addiction to pornography. And one of them has dealt with it under God. And you can see the fruit in his life. Another has not. And you can see the destruction that is bringing in his life. It needs to be dealt with. Whatever the lust is, it needs to be dealt with. And there are many routes to deal with it, but essentially they all come down to this. If I have rubbish in my life that I have put in there, I need to turn it upside down so that it all comes out. And I need to do it in the presence of God. And I need to then be filled. This bucket is ready to be filled with water as a symbol of the spirit of the living God. We need to do this, that this might be ready to be filled. And this stuff, by the power of Jesus, clean, well, kicked away, cleaned up. Different genders will tell you different answers to that question. Um, There are many routes to doing that. We'd love to help you. But if, if you're longing and lusting for something other than God in moments of crisis, you won't be able to listen to his purposes for you. And we would love you not to be in that place. He longs for you to be set free that you can walk out his purposes. And then um, finally, Abraham gave up a lot for Lot. Um, In verse 2, Abraham is identified by wealth, his gold and his silver. Lot's identified by his herds, just as also Abraham is. But you've got gold and silver in there for Abraham. And it's the writer's way of telling us that at this moment, Um, Abraham's self-perception is of his wealth and his identity being wrapped up in that. But then in verse 4, he calls on the name of the Lord. And after that point where he encounters God, we begin to see a change in his behavior. We begin to see him being magnanimous. So in the moment where he and Lot decide that they can't live alongside each other, Abraham says, well, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. He's not being precious about land. He's viewing it generously. And then in chapter 14, when Lot is kidnapped, Abraham risks everything. He puts everything on the line to go and get his nephew from captivity. If he dies and his men die in battle, then everything that he has is lost. And even when he is offered the spoils of the war by the, um, the king of Sodom, he turns it down and says no. So in the course of two chapters, Abraham's identity and his behavior changes. Why? 
Because when we encounter God, we discover that this is who God is. This is who he is. That he himself would give up everything to come and rescue you and me. That is his nature. Jesus gave up everything he had in heaven. Intimacy with the Father. Worship. All the riches of heaven. He gave it up for you. And he gave it up for me. Because he wanted us back. He wanted us back. So when we spend time in his presence and we submit to him and are willing to be changed by him, we become more like him. So that we in our lives begin to marshal all of our earthly wealth and possessions, all of our decisions about what we do, how we spend our time, all of them are marshaled around him and his purposes because we see him for who he is and what an amazing God he is. And so I think what God wants to do for us as a church is not just to enable us to make good godly decisions so that we look and listen before we decide stuff. He wants to clean up stuff in our lives so that we can actually do that. But he also wants to reveal more of himself to us so that we can become more like him and marshal everything in our lives towards his kingdom and its purposes. At BNA, we are passionate about helping people to follow Jesus. We think that when we follow him, life is so much richer. We become who we are meant to be. And we learn to love the God who made us and loves us. Will you join us as we follow him? Let's pray.